Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome in to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, we have a guest again today. We do. We do. Joining us yesterday, but uh, yeah, this is who we were talking about. This was the, by the way, everybody that was here, the episode that Jenna was here just a couple days ago, and Alan gave us the tease about a body part, like very thrown off by that. Uh, We can kind of explain that now, I guess. Wes Euler joining the show. The host of the, among other things, the host of the Ears and Beers podcast, talking about West Virginia sports. Wes Euler also, um, perhaps more prominently host on the Steelers radio network and uh, more attached to this show anyway, Uh, but maybe not as the 54 Jersey he's wearing (laughs) could be predictive of West Virginia, Zach, uh, West Virginia center, Zach Frazier, certainly guy we're going to be talking about a lot on this episode and the rest of the off season for sure. Yes, absolutely. Wes, what's going on, pal? Gentlemen, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I apologize. I look much better than I did yesterday. I did bail on you guys. Yes, I've got the suds or whatever's going around. I've got two daughters in daycare, right? So they pick it up, they bring it home type thing. I look much better. I don't know if if someone's watching on an HD, like a 4K camera, they, my (laughs) nose is probably still red. I ran through like three boxes of tissues yesterday. So I appreciate you guys letting me call an audible and uh, I'm excited to be on the afternoon drive here. You sound good. 
I mean, maybe it's the mic. I'm not sure, all, but you sound, that's you all sound the, fine. That's, that's all that matters, baby. It is the Shore family. How's the hair? Hair look okay, too? I mean, you know, voice is one thing. Hair okay? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to take over Richie Walsh's throne like 10 years from now. Just a couple of frosted <laughs> tips away from J.J. Watt at the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, my goodness. J.J. looked like he was trying to be the next uh, lead singer of The Offspring or something. What was he doing? I don't know, man. I have no clue what was going on there. Uh, and people that are listening to this show probably wonder what's going on right now on here. Um, if, if you but, were my age, you either wanted frosted tips and are now glad that you didn't get them or you had them and now regret having them. Those are really the only two options. Yes. yes. There are, so no, real quick, there are exactly. no pictures you can find of me on the internet from 2001 with frosted tips. I'm very thankful that that does not exist. Oh, man. Zach, if you'll indulge me for just a quick second here. I mean, like I'm kind of between you and Alan, right? Alan's a little bit older than me. You're a little bit younger. So I, I can kind of, bridge, kind of bridge this gap. Like I, I, I was born in 91, right? So like I was nine, 10 years old, kind of at the height of the sync Backstreet Boys, 98 degrees mania, right? Mm-hmm. I had blonde hair until I was about 12 years old. And then, and then it just switched for whatever reason. But my hair was like bright blonde until I was 11, 12, 13 years old in that range there. And I so vividly remember in 2000 or 2001, I would have been nine or 10 in sync came to Pittsburgh. It might've been the Heinz field opening concert, something like that. And all my friends, like everyone was going and everyone was dying, was frosting their tips blonde. And I remember like crying to my mom because she wouldn't let me frost the tips of my hair and her being like, Wesley, your hair's already blonde. You can't frost your hair. It's frosted already. If you went and got frosted tips, it would make no difference. Like you have no idea what you have the hair that everyone's trying to have. And I had a complete and total meltdown for like a whole weekend because my mom wouldn't let me frost my already blonde hair. My my frosted tips were grills. Me and my boys got grills. Went to the now, mall like and real, all got real grills ones. Or did you just put pieces of like juicy fruit no, gum we, wrappers? No, we got real here. ones. We got real ones from the mall. There was like Not four bad. of us that got them. Yeah. Were you wearing Were you wearing a wife beat when you went and when you went and bought them? <laughs> wearing wearing them to the middle school dances. No, I was wearing. I think I was wearing a tap out shirt. Uh, okay. probably Works. yeah. Works. Some Ed, Hardy, Irish Ed Hardy, Ed Hardy jeans. And, you know. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, let's talk about football a little bit, I guess, on this show at least before we uh, get into the last part of the show talking about Wes. I feel like this part has already kind of been that, but uh, we do want to talk about some Steelers stuff. Alan, this rookie draft class that just came in, I think that's where we want to start today. Um, wh- who was it that ranked them one of the five best? Now Mr. Basso from CBS Sports okay, ranked yeah. the Steelers. 2023 draft class is the fifth best in the NFL, despite not having one of the 30 best players, which I think is really – um an interesting dynamic where they're getting a lot of credit for their depth and picks one two three and four and actually one two three and five were the 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 four guys that he highlighted uh broderick jones joey porter jr keanu benton and nick herbig and i think Mm -hmm. that's i I think it's an interesting place to start a conversation about the steelers 2024 offseason because i do think that was a really good draft class and we talked yesterday about Uh, maybe what some of the differences were between Kevin Colbert and Omar Khan. And I think, you know, that was sort of framed on our conversation yesterday about analytics based on Kevin Colbert's comments. But I just think in general, I feel like this was a a fresh perspective 
from the Steelers yeah. about the way they attacked the draft. It it looked noticeably different in the way they were willing to move around the draft board, right? The trade up to get Broderick Jones, the trade back, still get Darnell Washington, pick up the pick to get Nick Herbig. I thought that was uh, noteworthy. Uh, and, and so what, what do we think made the Steelers draft class good? And, you know, the Steelers are a very predictable organization. They do things their way year in and year out. Obviously the change from Kevin Colbert to Omar Khan kind of, threw off a lot of our preconceived notions about what the Steelers were going to do. Do we have any of those going forward? Like, do we think we can make some, some broad scale predictions about 2024 based on the way that 2023 went? Wes, you're the guest. So I'll let you go first. Oh, that's very nice of you there, Smitty. Um, <laughs> you know, guys, that is kind of the question. And that's, I think the question of a lot of these, certainly the draft as it pertains to what you guys just asked me, but maybe free agency and attacking the potential trade market as well too. Like, there is such a small sample size of Omar Khan. It's not the multiple decades that we had of Kevin Colbert. And, you know, the Steelers are moving. Like, they might it, they might be moving like the Titanic, like, slowly. They might be moving like a Carnival cruise ship, like, off, you know, the Baltimore port there. But they have slowly been doing business more progressively, I think, over the last five, six, seven years um, more active in trading up in drafts, more active in free agency, more willing to make trades, uh, willing to fire a coordinator in season, all those different things that for so long were thought of of not being uh, the Steeler way. So I expect that to continue. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that continues to mean moving up in the first round when you want to go get your guy, if that means going and aggressively getting a guy like Justin Fields or a Kirk Cousins that, that we can talk about if you guys want to go down that route. But that's intriguing in all of these facets, particularly as it relates to the draft, obviously. Um, and I think you have to at least be semi-encouraged because, albeit small sample size so far, it's been different, it's been progressive, and I think they've had more hits than they've had misses. Yeah, I think my main takeaway from the 2023 draft when it happened was they played the board in a way that I didn't see them do in the past. Like I would I would feel like that was like a very Baltimore Ravens like draft. Yes, the way that 100%. it just seems to always come up everything Ravens whether it's trading up or down, you just feel like wow, they got that value at that pick. That's how I came away looking at this Steelers draft class and obviously we're just talking about one season but the return on investment looks very good on that up to this point. This is really going to be I think like a big test. And that's why I think the question is, like, do we even want the Steelers to be trading draft capital with the way that we saw them utilize that draft capital in their first time? Like, it was it was a very cohesive feel to the draft, too. Like, maybe it was a matter of getting Omar, a guy like Andy Weidel, attached to him and maybe not having, like, still not creating that too many cooks in the kitchen type feel where it was like, you know, clashing of minds or anything like that. It was just a cohesive effort where, you know, he kind of let him control the board, Omar do his thing. And it turned out the way that it did. Is it going to continue to do so? I don't know, but I don't necessarily have a reason to believe that it won't either. Yeah. I think that really highlights the differences between Kevin and Omar. You know, Kevin came up as a scout. I think Kevin was yeah. very, very laser focused on, getting the best player for the Pittsburgh Steelers with the draft picks that he had. Whereas Omar is more of a numbers guy um, in dealing with contract negotiations, which was his specialty. A lot of the things that you like, what you need to know is not just how much you think this player is worth, but how much the rest of the league is going to think they're worth. Like that is a very mm -hmm. important part of you know negotiating free agent contracts, which was Omar's primary responsibility for the game GM. I think 
So that moving around the draft board part, that like getting good perceived value for his picks, like that should be more of Omar's specialty. And I agree. I think the addition of Andy Weidel has, has let the scouting part of things still flourish while you have a, you know, a horse trader type GM who's going to get the picks in the right places uh, to make those. I, I think it could be a really, really productive marriage. Um, Art Rooney, when he spoke to me and the rest of the print media earlier this offseason, said, you know, he was asked, do you have uh, do you think this team is farther ahead now than it was entering the 2023 offseason? And what are your sources for optimism? And he said, yes, I do think it's farther ahead than it was in the 2023. And the very first thing he said was the 2023 draft class. That is why I am so optimistic about the future of this team, because we just did this and we did such a good job. And boy, if we do it again, one or two more times, look at what that's going to yield. And so I, in my head, have a hard time driving that comment from, from the owner, from the president, with the idea of like, oh, well, they're just going to give Kirk Cousins $90 million in free agency or trade two top three draft picks for Justin Fields. Like, that doesn't feel like sure, yeah. reimagining the 2023 draft class. That feels like something completely different. So, I mean, if they're going to reimagine the 2023 draft class, to me, I think that option is, is very much out there. But when we look at the board, I mean, it's a deep tackle class. It's deep at center. Um, obviously Zach Frazier, it was a guy that has been highly linked to them in the second round. I think they'll be able to get a first round tackle. It really feels like if you just gave Andy Weidel the keys to the franchise, not saying that it's anything is anyone's responsibility alone, but he'd be picking two guys over 325 pounds in this draft class at first and second round, hundred percent. And I can't say that's a bad idea. They probably need a defensive tackle too. So maybe one, two, three, even, um, and, and, if that's what they're really, if, if we're taking art at his word for it, like, doesn't that feel like that's a much more likely outcome this year than, than making a big swing on a quarterback? Yes. Because one thing that I, that I truly believe is like art doesn't blow smoke in those regards of what he wants and how he feels about his team. Now we might argue when he talks urgency and things like that, we might argue about how the, you know, the, the strings that he's pulling to address it. But when he addresses something vocally in his kind of end of season, particularly meetings that he does with real, you know, real journos like Alan and, and the rest of his colleagues, he that stuff is backed up. I mean, Alan, you remember for two straight years, he talked about the run game and the lack thereof. And what did the Steelers mm-hmm. do those two off seasons? They went and got Najee Harris. They went and overturned the offensive line in free agency, right? I mean, he I talked about run the game. 2021 offseason, we talked to Art. And then I'm, I'm dry, I get to Mobile, right? So Art says, we were best to last in the running game. we got to get better in the running game. I get to Mobile, and I watch Mike Tallman literally do nothing but watch running back. But watch I, Najee Harris. Yes. Right, I know what they're doing. Like, I you know, it took 10 minutes that offseason to figure it's, out the plan. It's, like, it's they, the one – It's He's, he's it. not – like you said, he's not blowing smoke. He's not hiding his intentions. Like this is this is my this is my this was my sixth season, you know, working on the on the radio network side of the things for the Steelers. And that's like one thing that I firmly believe in six years. I know you've been around the team longer than I have, but when Art says something, you might disagree with how they go about pragmatically attacking it or getting after it, but they're going to attack it and get after it. So yeah, when he talks about run game, run game, run game for two off seasons, and then they go out and completely turn over the offensive line and go and draft the first round running back. 
makes a lot of sense. When he's talking now about draft class, I actually hadn't thought about this. I'm going to steal this for the show. Moats and I do. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Like, they probably don't want to give up any draft picks because, one, they saw what these guys just did last year and they want them to go do that again. And, two, they want to see if they can go do that again and see what they're working with. Yeah, I mean, historically, this is a team that likes to operate through the draft anyways. Like, that might be a complaint, another complaint uh, of the fan base, but you know that they're going to do it. Like, it, it's draft over free agency, and that's great and all, but you certainly got a hit. I just brought up, and this has nothing to do with necessarily the Steelers, but I'll find a way to tie it back to. I was curious because there's obviously a Kansas City draft class from two years ago that they've only known winning the Super Bowl. So they're 2022 Kansas City draft class. Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, Sky Moore, Brian Cook, Leo Chanel, Joshua Williams, Darian Kennard, Jalen Watson, Isaiah Pacheco. I don't know who this other one is. Naze Johnson. How many of those guys that I listed were like huge contributors for them too? I mean, think about that. Like we could be talking something similar to like that 2017 Saints draft class with something like that. There is definitely obviously more value to being able to build through the draft class because those guys are also going to be cheaper as opposed to uh, paying highly priced free agents. Like, and I think that the Steelers with the way that they attacked the 2023 draft class should have every reason that these two guys in charge of it right now can do so. Leo Chanel with the last pick in the third round and Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh is Leo Chanel was my guy too. I was work like that is, I was losing my mind watching him drop down the board. And then it was, of course, Kansas city took him like, Oh my goodness. I lost my mind watching him fall. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm so I, I guess my point there was you've seen teams be able to have those types of draft classes. And I think with what we've seen from the Steelers, of, of, you know, once again, we'll say it just to bring it back. It's only been one season, one draft of Omar Khan and Andy Weidel. But like, why wouldn't you have the faith that they can put together these types of draft classes every single year? And one one more thing, too, guys, is um, say you go out here and you nail the draft class again. Right. No, no trip. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe end up moving and shaking within the draft of moving up a couple of picks, moving down yeah. a couple of picks at certain spots, whatever. But relatively, the draft is the draft and you nail it like you did this past year. This upcoming season plays out and you have another great rookie draft class. And once again, we're all sitting here 11 months, 12 months from now talking quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. This team is a quarterback away, right? I think you'd feel a lot better this time next year than going, okay, Kenny Pickett is clearly not the guy. The guy's clearly not on our roster. Let's go aggressively get someone, whether it's someone who's already in the league, whether we think it's this draft guy, because we have this great, we have this great rookie class. We have this great sophomore class. We've got a great nest, a great nucleus built. It's still not going to cost us money for a couple years. Okay. If we have to go out and and pay some for the quarterback, so be it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, I think we we said that. What, what show was that? Uh, a couple weeks, uh, maybe last week, or maybe early this week. I don't even uh, know where the the quarterback away discussion. I just don't feel like they're there yet. There's too many other. No, I don't. I don't either. Team. But maybe they are. Maybe they are eleven months from now. You yeah, know? I agree. Like they need a tackle. They need a center. Uh, they need a defensive tackle. They need a cornerback. They need a linebacker. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they need a safety. Like that. There's there's a lot I mean, out other there. Other than but, that, Mrs. Lincoln. Yeah, I mean, like the probably a slot wide receiver. Like uh, the. You know, there's a lot out there that is not just quarterback. But like you said, if you nail another offseason, man, that, that's certainly within reach that then you could make that big swing a year from now. And you never know what's going to happen, you know, with, with the guys you got to. Um, you can you can accidentally find something that you don't know you had or you didn't know you were looking for. I do think they'll probably, 
you know, try to find a young quarterback in the draft somewhere, uh, you know, third, third day pick, something like that. And you never know what those guys can turn into. But I, I think, I think that's a, like, if I'm making a prediction about the way the Steelers are going to operate this off season, that's absolutely the way I'm leaning that they're not going to make a big splash move, spend a lot of money or trade a lot of draft capital to get a quarterback this year with so many other needs. And the idea that they can really replicate this draft formula that they put down in 2023 and continue to build the core of this team. And if you do that enough years in a row, if you get to a place where you just feel like you're in a quarterback emergency and you got to push all the chips in there one year, well, then you can go ahead and do it. Wes, I want to talk to you about Zach Frazier because I think of all the guys that I've seen connected to the Steelers, he might be the most pervasive of those in terms of everybody I talk to just says, well, that guy's a Steeler. Uh, you've obviously gotten to watch him a lot as uh, someone who covers West Virginia and, and was a West Virginia alum. What, what do you make of him and the fit between Zach Frazier and the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, it's been very weird how this has all come together for me over the past year. Um, you know, Alan, you know, I mean, we see each other at the Combine every single year, right? You, you, we, I usually come up and, and grab you at some point and ask you to come do 15 minutes with us to kill a segment on SNR, and you're, you're kind enough to do it. Last year at the draft, if, if you guys will recall, I mean, there was like like six or seven pit guys there at the draft last year. There was a lot of pit guys or at the combine, pardon me, last yeah, year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and only one for WVU, I believe. Dante Stills was the only person there. So I was getting some grief from, you know, Dale Lawley and Matt Williamson on SNR, who are both who are both pit guys, of hey, you know, what's going on? Look at all these pit guys here. You only got one WVU guy here. Hey, what's going on? You know, just just, just friendly banter. And I, I said to those guys almost a year ago, I said, 12 months from now, we'll be talking about this center from West Virginia, Zach Frazier. All right? I'm telling you, you enjoy yourself now, okay? Because 12 months from now, we're going to be talking about this center from West Virginia, Zach Frazier. Half kidding, half serious. Um, and then to watch it all play out from – that clearly becoming a position of need, maybe the position of need for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think particularly if you're going to take the quarterback debate out of the equation, right? Um, and the season that Zach had his senior year down in Morgantown to to really make that come together, uh, and the fit now that feels like right in that 50-ish range of, of where he will fall coming off that leg injury and where the Steelers are picking there at 51 it makes a lot of sense. I want to be clear on this. As the guy who is wearing a Zach Frazier West Virginia jersey, lovely one that my wife got me from the NIL store for Christmas, by the way, Jackson Powers Johnson is my number one center on my big board, okay? So you can't – hashtag not a homer, all right? But Zach Frazier is my number two. And I think at 51, he fits a lot of what the Steelers need. He has, and again, I will preface this, I will be honest with you, he has average size and average athleticism. But other than that, he checks, and I didn't say, he's not Kendrick Green with his size, right? Uh, he's not Mason Cole with his athleticism. He's an average athlete. He's he's an average size. Every other box, he, I mean, is like a 4.0 GPA. I mean, this guy just... He knows how to move. He knows how to use his body. Everyone's heard the stories of the four-time state wrestling champion. His upper body torque, his leverage is textbook. It's unbelievable. His footwork has gotten better every single year he's been at WVU. Um, you know, first, first true freshman to start at WVU since the 1980s. Four years, started every single game. Um, I mean, he is he's cerebral, and he's the type of guy that you want as the anchor, as the center of your offensive line. 
academic All-American all four years, had a scholarship offer from Stanford too, coming out of coming out of high school, right? So you know he was legit to get a scholarship offer to Stanford. He's a smart guy. He works in his wood shop on his little farm in West Virginia, and he punches people in the mouth. Like, I know to some people this stuff doesn't matter, but to a lot of people there's been that hearkening of like, we have to get back to the Steeler way. We have to get back to that Steeler culture. We need team-first guys, quiet guys who are just obsessed with football, and that's what Zach Frazier is. Like, he is every single cliche in that book. He works his tail off. He lives, breathes, and eats football. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, he would be a perfect stealer. He'd be great in Arthur Smith's system. Again, he is not, he, he's, he's not Jackson Powers Johnson. He's not Marquise Pouncey coming out of college. Uh, but he is a guy who can start and can have an impact right, a one on, right away uh, on day one. And like I said, I, that sweet spot range, too, of where he's going to fall, fitting with where the Steelers are at, I think lines up pretty well. Former wrestler. That's all I need to hear. Beard. Beard. <laughs> we got it. We got it. We're big, big beard guys here uh, on the show. Uh, former wrestler Beard. He's tough as nails. He's the most. I agree with you that I would draft Jackson Powers Johnson first, but I think in terms of the uh, le- his level of play compared to like, like he's as he's as pro ready as he's going to be. Like he could start in week one, and I really don't think that yeah. uh, it would be an issue. I think Jackson Powers Johnson has like more room to grow. He probably has more potential, but yes, man, yes. I, I would love to draft Zach Frazier and start him in the first round. I think he's sort of exactly the kind of personality that the offensive line kind of needs. They don't have anyone that I really think is, is really like him. Um, I, you know, I heard my, very rarely does Mike Tomlin say something. And I'm just like, what? But he made a comment comparing Broderick Jones and his like personality and his leadership potential to Marquise Pouncey. And I'm just like, mm, Marquise yeah. Pouncey's golden retriever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like no, no, like that's not that guy. He's like a big, jolly, happy kid. Yes, he's a kid. Yes. First of all, he is a kid. He's like, what, 20 or 21 years old? Like, mm-hmm. he's a very young man. Um, but he is just. I feel like offensive linemen are generally either big, happy-go-lucky guys, right? You got your Max Starks's, you got yep. you know, that yep. sort of that sort of personality, or you just have big old angry bears, right? Yep. That's the other. And, yep. and I think you need a good mix of the two of them. And and I think that there are there's a lot more big old angry bear in Zach Frazier. No doubt, no doubt. And this, listen, you guys are welcome to steal this if you want to. Uh, this is the type of thing that will appear appeal to the you know the crowd out there that wears the run the damn ball hats and everything. This will appeal to you. When Zach Frazier got onto campus four years ago, WVU's run game averaged seventy three rush yards per game, bottom of the barrel in Power Five. It was like. My God, can WVU rush for 100 yards today? It'd be the greatest thing ever. We could really win this game, but we got to rush for 100 yards today. Going for 73 per game when he got on campus. This past year, his last year, over 250 per game. The number one rushing offense in Power 5 football, and they gave up four sacks the entire season, second fewest in Power 5. They once went over 200 snaps, the WVU offensive line, without giving up a sack. They used seven different offensive line combinations starting in 12 games. So it wasn't like all this continuity. Okay. It was Zach mm-hmm. Frazier in the middle of the line, not single-handedly, all right? He's got a guy, Doug Nestor, who was at the Shrine Bowl, who's a right tackle. I don't know if Doug's going to get drafted, but he'll get a chance in camp with somebody. He's a good player. 
He's got a left tackle, Wyatt Mullet, Milam, who we'll be talking about next year, who will be a day two pick in the draft from the offensive line from WVU as well, too. But Zach Frazier, make no mistake about it, guys, from 73 rush yards per game to four years later, the best rushing attack in Power 5 football, over 250 per game. And he was – it was a group effort, obviously, but he was the the catalyst of that, the straw that stirred that, stirred that drink. One more thing sure. about Frazier, too. A lot of people will say that the Big 12 doesn't play defense, and those people are mostly correct. But Byron Murphy, defensive tackle, going to be a day Talk two pick. Um, Jalen Hutchins from Texas Tech is going to get drafted and probably drafted highly. He smacked around Penn State until that game got I out of hand. I was just going to say, go and watch West, the Penn State West Virginia tape. Yeah. couldn't run the ball anymore, but they were dominating Penn State up front. He played some of his best games against some of his best competition. So I think that really, to me, uh, bodes well in his favor. Yep. Byron Murphy goes first round, San Francisco after they trade Eric Armstead. Ooh, whoa. That's spicy, but I mean, right now. he's right there also, in the first round. I could, I could when I watched, uh, we got to talk about West, but when I watched Zach Frazier, what I came away with, not out in space because he's not as good of an athlete as this guy, I think he's a, he's got some Frank right now to his game in terms of yeah. his pass protection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I like, that. I, I like that a lot. I will say, with with all respect to Quan Alexander, if, uh, yes. if the Steelers draft Zach Frazier, the sales of 54 jerseys is going through the roof. <laughs> I got one. I'll get one. I'll get one. <laughs> I will also have a great first name. You know, I might not like where he went to college. Great first <laughs> yeah. name, though. All right. Uh, so we got to wrap up the show talking about Wes. Wes, we do this with everybody that we bring on here to ride shotgun with us. Oh, boy. Uh, very fitting. Very fitting that you're riding shotgun with us for this episode, by the way. Um, and I want to talk about you, your journey, what you're doing now, uh, and all that good stuff. So let's let's go way back, just in terms of, like, how you even became a fan of the teams that you are a fan of and your journey through sports. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I was born at Allegheny General Hospital on the North Shore of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in February of 1991. And then finally, the Pittsburgh Penguins started winning Stanley Cups because they were just waiting for me to get here, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was born in Pittsburgh in 1991. Um, with the except, you know, I, I went to college at WVU uh, and then work took me to uh, Ohio and Philadelphia for a few years out of college. But with the exception of that, I've been a, a Pittsburgh kid, born and raised my whole life. Uh, my family lived in the Wexford area until I was uh, 13. I was in seventh grade, I think, and uh, mm-hmm. and then and then they then they moved to Mars. My parents built a house in Mars, and that's where I graduated from high school and everything. The center of the universe, Mars, Pennsylvania. Um, I grew up playing hockey. I played football as well too through ninth grade, uh, but just I was breaking fingers. I was getting hurt every year, and I actually was a pretty decent hockey player. So hockey was my first love still is my favorite sport uh, to play and everything like that. But football's kind of always been the the spectator sport of choice, right? Uh, my initials are WVU. So, yes, my, my parents did that on purpose. My mom and dad met at WVU. My dad thought it would be hilarious if my initials were WVU. My mom said, no way, you're crazy. Eventually, my dad drove her nuts enough that she said, you know what? If we have a boy, you can name him. If we have a girl, I'm naming her. And so when I was born a boy, my dad had won the bet and made my initials WVU. So uh, I was a huge Steeler fan growing up, without a doubt. But football, to me, growing up was a Saturday thing. Like, we would mm. we'd pi- we would pile into my, my grandparents' RV, and we had tailgate passes and season tickets, and we would go down on Friday nights and sleep in the RV and get up on Saturday and go to the games. Um, 
like I told you guys, I, you know, I, I lived in Youngstown, Ohio, worked for the Youngstown Phantoms there, a hockey team for two years uh, before I got a job with WIP for three years in Philadelphia, which is the Philadelphia Eagles and the uh, Philadelphia Phillies flagship station out there. My wife's from Philadelphia. So when we first got married, you know, I got a job out there and lived out there for, for three years. So aside from those five years that I was in Youngstown and was in Philly, um, I mean, I, I've been to over W hundred hundred WVU football home games in my lifetime easily. I've had season tickets since the day that I moved back from Philly. Um, but yeah, man, grew up just, you know, Steelers won two Super Bowls when I was in high school. Penguins went to two Stanley Cups, won one of them, and then won two more, you know, in my in my mid twenties. Um, still waiting for the Pirates to do something besides Quato, Quato, Quato to really give me some juice here. Uh but yeah, been fortunate enough to uh, to be born and raised in a sports crazed area. Um, got the idea when I was in high school at some point. You know, I, I wanted to be like a cross between Stevie Ray Vaughan and John Mayer at some point when I was growing up. Uh, my dad is a violinist, so I wanted to do the music thing as well too. Um, but just realized I wasn't very good, and that wasn't going to happen for me. And so then when I started to think, hey, what what do I want to do for for a living? Uh, got involved with the broadcast class my senior year in high school did the morning announcements, called some football games, you know, that type of thing, which really sparked my interest. Went to WVU for this, you know, worked around the teams, worked at the newspaper, worked at the radio station, worked in TV, and just kind of uh, slowly found my way uh, through jobs and back to Pittsburgh. I'm really rambling on here. I don't know how much of this you guys wanted to know, but uh, yeah, out of college, got the job with the hockey team in Ohio for two years, and then that was a blast, but I, I was done traveling eight months a year. It was just too much. I got married. I wanted to have kids, all that stuff. Uh, and that's what led me to get into radio full-time uh, from Philadelphia and then and then back here to Pittsburgh. And so, like I told you guys earlier, this was my sixth season uh, with the Steelers, which has been just, I mean, to get to work with Billy Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley and Max Starks and, you know, our our, our dear buddy Tunch Yokin and, and all these guys, Stan Saverin and Phil Bork and Mike Lang, and, you know, all these people that I grew up listening to um, that I now work with Mike Pursuta, like it's, 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 it's been pretty darn cool. Um, it's, it's been a, it's been a fun journey for me here. It's been, been about 10, 11 years since I graduated college. So uh, I've been all over the place, but I am, I am happy and hopeful uh, that I'm going to be here in Pittsburgh for a long time. Cause this is home and I, I sure don't want to go anywhere. Two questions about your stops on your journey here. Best and worst road trips in the USHL. Oh goodness gracious! Or is there even a best? Honestly, I mean, they're probably like, just the worst. Like Mad- the Madison, worst and the least Madison's worst. a good town. I know Madison's well, on, yes. on the tour so, there. So, so it's funny. Best, best is the college towns. So Lincoln, Nebraska was always a really good time. Madison, Wisconsin, always a really good time. Um, and then we do Ann Arbor sometimes as well too, which was which was it's like team, Pl- yeah. like Plymouth is where they play now. But sometimes we were we were in Ann Arbor. Uh, Green Bay, always fun too, just because like you're right in downtown Green Bay. We'd get to, you know, we'd always get tours of Lambeau and all that stuff. Uh, but I would say, I would say the college towns, Madison, Wisconsin, definitely high on the list. Uh, Lincoln, Nebraska as well too. Worst USHL road trip, man, there's some rough ones. Um, Youngstown probably wouldn't be too high on the list. The rest of the league, it's Youngstown. You were starting in Youngstown, so we won't, we'll eliminate that one. Cedar Rapids, Fargo, just honestly nothing Fargo's against Fargo. So far, it's so far and it's Go. so cold, man. Like every time we went there, it was like three degrees outside every single time. 
and so yeah, there were some there were some rough road. Ooh. Mm. No, I, I'm gonna stick with Fargo. I was gonna say Sioux City, South Dakota, but they have a really cool bar scene. So that made that right. made Sioux City all right. Well, that that makes you, up for a lot. It is funny how you judge road trip cities a lot of times is just like, okay, how easily can I walk from my hotel to dining and drinking establishments? Like that's kind of it's like, so, it's like, like people like ask me like, oh, what's it what's it like to be in, I don't know, name a city like you know, like what, what was uh like <laughs> What, what's what's tampa like i'm like i don't know i flew in yeah i took an uber to my hotel i took an uber to the stadium i took an uber back to my hotel and i went to the uh by the airport i didn't see like, we, we go on these yes we go on these trips and like everyone's like oh you're going to vegas you got to do this 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 and this I'm like i'm, I'm there like, for 12 hours i'm like i'm, I'm grabbing <laughs> i'm grabbing dinner and a couple beers and then i'm working a 14 hour day the next day like what are we what are we talking about here the longest I've ever spent in a city for a road trip was Buffalo this year. But, well, but th- and that was, I was going to say too, Alan, like that was the thing when I was in the USHL, like a lot of times we'd go to these places, like we'd leave on a Thursday and then we'd play Friday, Saturday games, sometimes yeah, Sunday games before we three and three and then taking a two day bus drive. Back. Yeah. So sitting, sitting in, sitting in Des Moines, Iowa for four days is not, you know, I'd much rather be in Vegas or LA or Houston or somewhere like that for, for four days, Tampa. We're like ridiculously no, time, no, wanna, no offense to the good ask, people of Des Moines, Iowa, of course. But, but I want to, but I want to ask this: What was your experience in Philly like? You know, I I only have this from one lens, right? I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh, and I've only worked in this city. And when you get these jobs, like it becomes very easy, or at least it was for me, to kind of turn the fan in you off and mm-hmm. and act mm-hmm. like a journalist and and look at things objectively. But there is still you still have that sort of knowledge of the team's history and also like a sort of intuitive connection with maybe I'm not going to emote the same way the fans are, but I at least have a pretty good idea of the way they're going to react to things because these are my people and I know them. What was it like going to Philly and covering teams that you didn't have any of that pre-knowledge or connection with? So if I'm going to be blunt with you, I loved it. I mean, I I loved my three years in Philadelphia. I remember it fondly, the relationships, the memories, because it's a completely, like it is, guys, it's so similar. Like it's like same church, but a completely different pew than than Pittsburgh's. It is that same eat, sleep, breathe your sports team, right? And we live in the Northeast and the weather is crap six months a year and like our sports teams are all that we got, right? And they try and pretend that like the Jersey Shore is this big, huge, glamorous thing that they have. And the Jersey Shore is fine. I enjoy going there, all right? But it's 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 Atlantic City and, and, and all those different places, all right? You're still about 50 minutes away from Philadelphia. It ain't, it ain't these southern beaches, all right? It's not Siesta Key. It's not the Florida Gulf Coast. It ain't Hilton Head or Charleston, South Carolina. Carolina. All right. Um, but Philly is so similar to Pittsburgh, but they haven't had nearly the sports success that we've had. So it's made them more angry and more passionate in their own unique way. And it's just the population size is almost six times the size of Pittsburgh. So I loved it, guys. I did. I It was very weird to me because the football was still there. The baseball was still there. They they don't care about the Flyers. I mean, it's there's like a small percentage of people in the city that are hockey fans. It's almost like Flyers fans are like their own cult, really. Um, and it, it was very bizarre to me how little people cared about the Flyers, but the Sixers were a massive deal. So it was the first time in my life that an NBA team really moved mm. the needle because Philly is such a huge basketball city. And that kind of 
spilled into like the big five collegiate basketball teams too. Villanova, St. Joe's, uh, Temple, you know, all those schools. And Nova won those two national championships while I was there. So it was a very cool kind of shift in that regard uh, for me. Um, and then just obviously I was there, I was working for the Eagles flagship station for the Eagles radio network when the team, when the franchise won their first Super Bowl, uh, you know, in franchise history. And so like Zach, you and I, and, and I mean, Alan, you too, right? Because I don't know if you were alive yet, but if you would have been, you would have been in, in diapers. I don't think you were. No, you were I was alive. not alive no. for the 70 Super Bowls. No. Okay. Yeah, but exactly. My first so, championship like, I we, saw was the Pens in 91. Okay, so like we, the, the three of us will never know what it was like to be alive, to be working in Pittsburgh in media and sports when the Immaculate Reception happened, right? Like we just won't. That was before our time, but I was alive. I was working in Philadelphia in the greatest sports moment in the history of their city. So it was really cool for me. It's guys, it's, it's, it's very different. Like you think of some of this like vitriol that has come out really towards Mike Tomlin over the last couple of years, towards Kenny Pickett over the last couple of months, like that's the norm in Philadelphia. Like that's, that's like standard daily operating procedures. Like it was wild. Our morning show. I mean, they would have Doug Peterson on every single Monday and they would crush him. Like they, they would not handle him with kid gloves. They would not ask him easy questions. Like they, they would crush Doug in the third quarter on second down, you did this. And what were you thinking? And why were you seeing it? So it was, I loved it, guys. I really did. From a sports junkie perspective, it was awesome. And like you said, Alan, it was really cool for me too because I wasn't emotionally invested in any of the team's results. Uh, I could honestly watch things. I could honestly evaluate things. When I thought teams were doing well and had a chance, we could talk about it. When I thought teams were struggling and were, were you know, fumbling the bag, were messing things up, we could talk about it. I uh, I did. I, I I really enjoyed my time in Philadelphia. I was ready to move back to Pittsburgh. Like I said, I'm happy that I was here. Um, but man, just for, for being just four and a half hours away, like I said, it is really weird because there's a lot of those similarities of how like we eat and breathe and, and sleep our sports teams. But it is it is on a such a different level there. It's it's insane. They are they are crazy, man. There's no other way to put it. They're crazy. As are we. Uh, love to hear it. Wes, thanks for jumping in and riding shotgun with us on this episode. A lot of fun. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Twitter, at Wesley Euler. I host the uh, the Steelers Blitz with Arthur Motes. You can find us at noon on Steelers Nation Radio and on 970 uh, Fox Sports ESPN. You can also just get us wherever you subscribe to your podcast, right? Uh, and then I do two different WVU shows, Ears and Beers, as Alan was kind enough to mention earlier. Uh, and then I do a uh, WVU football show called In the Gun Podcast as well, too, with Owen Schmidt, former WVU football legend. Um, and we will have uh, big Zach Frazier, future Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, on the podcast this week. So if you're looking for for more on if you're if you're jumping down the uh, the Zach Frazier rabbit hole, you can uh, you can catch our conversation uh, with Zach there tomorrow. Yeah, dang it. I'm actually going to have to support your other show. <laughs> Owen yeah. Schmidt, giver of, of the greatest <laughs> quote in recent college football history to my good friend Alex Kirshner in his long form story. Oh, yes. 13 nine game. And if you uh. If you haven't read it, go read it because I'm I'm not very often like jealous of other people's work in this industry, but I read that quote and I'm like, me, ah, that's that's good. I wish I'd written. Oh, that. we he, we lost to the 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 shittiest yeah. effing team of all effing time or something like that. It's 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 one of the best ever. Go go find that and read it. Uh, you can find me at a Saunders. Guy. 
underscore PGH, PGH Steelers now, SteelersNow.com. Uh, that's where I wrote about uh, Chris DePasso's uh, draft rankings. Uh, 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 Nick Fairball has a punter draft profile since the Steelers don't have one of those on their active roster right now. Check it out, guy from BYU who had a big leg at the Shrine game. There we go. You find me at Zachary Smith PGH. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Leave us a five-star review if you're listening somewhere else, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a comment down below. Ask us a question. We will only answer questions if you preface it by saying 13 to 9 right before asking that question. Let's get out of here right now. Zachary Smith, Alan Saunders, Wes Euler. Thanks for jumping in. Take another ride on the Steelers app. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Noon drive.